Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And today, we have our clown makeup on. <laughs> we are going to be discussing the second book in the Alphabet Squadron series, Shadowfall by Alexander Freed. And the reason we have our clown makeup on is because we're not huge fans of yeah. Alexander Freed. <laughs> but here's the thing, like, I, I, I don't necessarily think that we need to have our clown makeup on because I don't think my expectations were, like, like, past. Like, I, like, I mean, I had low expectations, so I'm not, like... I have my clown makeup <laughs> on for the third book, I yes. guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get... <laughs> we'll, we'll get more into that, like, why. And, like, and I think, like, we're gonna get into this a bit, but I don't necessarily think this is a bad book. It's just not our taste. Yeah, like, I actually do enjoy... The characters. I like the time mm-hmm. period in this series, but I, Alexander Freed's writing is very dense, and some people really love Alexander Freed. Yeah. Um, like our friends at Friends of the Force love the series. I actually really recommend listening to their review. But before we get into that, so Pride Month may be over, but all of our Pride designs are here to stay in our merch shop. They have been like mixed in with all of our other designs. I did make a special album for them though. So if you're specifically looking for that, you should be able to find them. Um, but they're all going to stay up and all of the profits from those are going to continue to go to the Black Trans Women Fund. So if you're looking for Pride designs, we've still mm-hmm. got them. And we're always taking your suggestions. If you have a headcanon or if there's a character we haven't done, um, let us know because we're more than happy to add that for you guys. Yeah, and we've already made a donation for June for all from all of our proceeds from those that we made. A lot of people like a lot of people made purchases in June. Yeah, that was really exciting. And I, I really liked seeing like how everybody was like, Oh, I have a headcanon about like Kara or Jin and it was so interesting. Like I, I kinda like took those headcanons in and I'm like, you know what? Yeah. I like this. Like this is And cool. then other people jumping in and being like, Oh, I had the headcanon too. Yeah, it's really fun. I really love that. So, like, if you have a headcanon about a character that we've done, or if there's just something that you'd like to see, just let us know. We love hearing from you guys. And on that note, uh, please send us your Star Wars stories. We still love to hear your Star Wars stories, or if you want to go on and on about some of your favorite things, uh, we want to hear from you guys. And we're actually trying out a new thing. So instead of recording yourself and emailing it to us, which you can still do by all means, um, now we have a say.link a voicemail thing that you can do. So you can click on the link down below and record a voicemail and it will automatically send it to us. So a little bit easier, a um, little bit, not as much like going into it. You don't have to download any specific apps or anything like that. Just opens up in your browser. Um, and like I said, we just want to hear from you guys. So send us your Star Wars stories. So a little bit of news. Uh, we are getting Mandalorian books. I don't think that was a surprise. <laughs> um... I mean, it was a long time coming, people asking for it and being like, why isn't there any? Um, I think that I wish there were some more. <laughs> yeah, um, the list isn't as exciting as I would like it to be. So we have like an original novel that's coming out, an adult novel, um, Art of Mandalorian, Visual to Guides. Me, that that um, adult novel to me is it's kind of unclear whether it's kind of like a novelization there is a junior novelization on here so i'm wondering if it says original novel though so i'm not yeah i'm not sure the mandalorian original novel so is that like a prequel i almost wish that they i almost wish that they had waited longer so that they could say more yeah, and we don't have any dates or anything either. Yeah. I know the Art of Mandalorian book, um, you can already pre-order that on Amazon. I think that finally mm-hmm. got a date. Um, you know what maybe I, August? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm also seeing in this that's going to be adorable is the little golden book. That is going to be adorable. That's going to be so cute. The oh art in those is always so cute. And Baby yes. Yoda in that, like, style oh, will be perfect. That's going to be adorable. <laughs> my mom lo- I mean, everybody loves Baby Yoda, but like, my mom <laughs> loves Baby Yoda. So that'll be exciting. Uh, we both expressed this kind of wish that there was a young adult novel. 
Um, yeah. But we'll just kind of have – there's probably going to be more. I highly yeah. doubt this is going to be it. We both really want a young adult Kara novel. That would be oh, please. really good. Please. And while we're on the topic of giving us books, um, Jedi Fallen Order does not have any books. Yeah. <laughs> deserves all of them. <laughs> I um, – Del Rey was doing Q&A the other day. And I just was like, hi, this isn't a question, but I would really like some Fallen Order books. And they liked it. So they acknowledge it. <laughs> they acknowledge that there's one. <laughs> Listen, I just want all of the Jedi Fallen Order books forever and ever. And a sequel. Where's our sequel? <laughs> I do not want them to rush the sequel. I will no. wait. I will wait I, for I that I will wait sequel. forever. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, kind of in the similar vein of that. So we do have some new recommendations. We've been watching a lot of stuff. We both watched the gameplay for The Last of Us 2. Um, which oh, was also I didn't watch game. the whole gameplay. I you saw watch like, the whole the last... gameplay? No, I watched, I watched the last little bit. Ah, uh, I thought you watched the whole thing. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, <laughs> I've been no. following what happens in the game, though. And That's so true. I, I saw... spoiled so much for you. <laughs> yeah, so I saw basically a, a little bit before the time jump until the end. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of controversy with The Last of Us 2. Um, if you haven't, like, I still haven't seen the gameplay for the first Last of Us, um, but you can still find these online. Uh, everybody was kind of saying that The Last of Us 2 was, like, The Last Jedi. People either seem to love it or they hate it. There's so much drama about it. Um, I really liked it. I There's a lot of choices that I think could have been ordered different. I think the pacing was a yeah. little slow. Um, especially it was just, like, like, out of... Things were out of order, like, Things were out of order. Where yeah. the, the order could have been changed and the pacing would have felt better. Yeah. But, like, overall, like, it's a... S- stunning game like it's beautiful the visuals are so good um i watched jack septicai's playthrough and he talked about it a little bit at the end he was just talking about like the gameplay and the way that things moved and all that kind of stuff so like it is so well done um Mm -hmm. i hope we get that same level of attention to detail with like a jedi fallen order sequel um (laughs) maybe a little bit more of a hopeful story yeah but I, I still really liked it. Like, I know that it gets a lot of a lot of weird hate, but Last of Us 2 was pretty interesting. So, also, some wrecks. Um, new to Disney+, Plus, Hamilton. Hamilton. <laughs> and Into the Unknown, the Frozen documentary. Mm-hmm. Alex loves Hamilton. I do, and we saw it in Chicago during Celebration. We did! <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and Lin-Manuel has a connection to Star Wars. He wrote the song like the java song in the force awakens and then he was in the last jedi and not the last jedi the rise of skywalker what am i saying <laughs> that movie that we pretend doesn't exist yeah exactly i was like oh yeah he's in the last jedi <laughs> <laughs> my mom had never seen hamilton she really really liked it um that was the second time i had ever seen it um i'm so glad that it's accessible now because it's a story that people like need to see he does such a good way of like humanizing history it's very very interesting um and into the unknown like god it's just frozen so good i think that um i was talking i was recommending into the unknown to someone and i like i thought the perfect comparison is kind of the director and the jedi Mm -hmm. like it really like it really feels like they're showing you a genuine like process of the movie and even like the hurdles they have to overcome and um, the care that was put into characters. Yes. Not only just, like, a linear story, but, like, uh, like, actual, like, knowing that the characters are the most important thing and, like, having them be true to themselves and also, like, not being afraid to change things to make the story better. Yeah, I I really liked, um, there was a part where they were kind of talking about the animators, because there's like a whole animator team for like specific characters. I really liked when they talked about like, it isn't just like the voice actor who is the character, but like this yeah. whole cast of animators that make like Elsa who she is or Anna who she is. That was yeah. really cool. Well, it's always, there's always a duality with it. It's like the... the 
the voice actor brings in their part and the animator brings in theirs like and they it's like this marriage between two different artists that mm-hmm. make the character who they are yeah for sure and i did see on twitter um It's very obvious that they really care about Elsa and like Elsa was really like the driving force. Um, So some people were expressing some like dismay that like Anna doesn't get the same attention. But like Kristen Bell loves Anna, like Mm -hmm. just the 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 level of care that goes into like her performance, like really like shines through. Did you see did you get to the part where they um, they're talking about um her song, like, her song at the end. Next Right Thing. Yeah. Yeah. That so was like, I thought that I thought that they were really focusing on Anna during that part. I don't know. Like, I, I understand that, like, a lot of the movie was Elsa's journey, but I do think that they do care about Anna. Oh, for sure. I even think um, they didn't really talk about it, but when they were talking about Some Things Never Change, how that song ends with Anna closing the door and like the whole first movie was about her like opening doors and all this and they even said that like before Anna didn't have anything to lose but now she has everything to lose like it it was just really interesting and it all culminates in that next right thing where she's descended so far down into darkness and you get to see her climb back out into the light like the level of, like, care and passion yeah. that went into that just, it makes me very, very happy. And the last thing we're going to wreck um, is Empire of Gold by S.A. Chakraborty. So I am a quarter of the way in, and we're recommending this because S.A. Chakraborty is uh, writing in the Empire Strikes Back novel. And just, whew, man, I really hope she gets to write more Star Wars. I hope she gets her own book because, man, does she, like, get it? <laughs> she fires on all cylinders. Oh, she, it's so good. Like, this author has everything. Yes. She can, she, her, like, her, like, she, like, I mean, she, all, everything that she does is, like, a strength. Like, her character's her plot, her world building. Her world building is amazing. Like, she just, like, has everything. (laughs) Oh, man. I had never heard her speak before either. So I watched her Instagram live where she was um, summarizing the second book in the series to get ready for the last one. And I just, I hadn't realized how young she is. And it was amazing to just hear her talk about her book and, like, how passionate she is and just... Oh, it's so good. The world is so rich. Like, if anybody needs to, like, if anybody's going to inject some, like, life into Star Wars, like, S.A. Chakraborty is such an amazing person to get for that. And I really hope they utilize that. Can you imagine, like, that, like, density of a book, like, a big book, like, one of hers, like, a Star Wars one? Man. See, like, that's what I want out of High Republic. Like, I know yeah, High Republic she, is not going to be the David Bud trilogy. Yeah. But. I mean, I mean, she's very, like, new adult. Um, and, like, I would love to see that in Star Wars. We've never gotten that. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing because, like, we're going to talk about how, like, you know, we prefer certain things out of books and, you know, plot and whatever. But, like, with her, I feel like she does such a good balance of like, the character moments, but then also, like, the politics. Sometimes it does get, like, a little bit draggy. Like, I think Kingdom of Copper drug a little bit because there was so much plot in that. But so far in Empire of Gold, she's done, like, a really good way of making sure you understand where all of the political pieces are while still sprinkling in these moments of, like, you know, Nahari and Ali and, like, Dara's a sad boy. Like, it's <laughs> it's been Dara. balanced really well. I missed... <laughs> Listen, Dara is so sad. <laughs> he has been... I just read a he's section from him. He's, he has been through it. He has been solo, okay? He's on the wrong side, and he knows it. And wow. Like... <laughs> I'm just, I'm excited. It's very long. I still have like 18 hours left of this audiobook. <laughs> but it's it's great. It's great. Recommend. <laughs> okay, so I think with that, we are ready to get into Shadowfall by Alexander Freed. 
So this is the second book in his Alphabet Squadron trilogy. So there's going to be one more and it's after his this. Fourth, it's his fourth Star Wars book. Yes. You Did you read Twilight Company? Yeah. <laughs> she um, said questioningly. <laughs> I did. But Do you remember anything from that book? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know Twilight Company makes an appearance in Alphabet Squadron and in this book. I didn't even catch that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he wrote that book, which is definitely, like, more of, like, a war and battle book. Um, he did the Rogue One novelization, which we talked about. It's very good. Highly recommend that. Um, the thing with Alphabet Squadron is that it is more about the plot and, like, the big battles. Mm-hmm. Which isn't where, that's not really, like, the Star Wars that, like, we're interested in. Mm-hmm. I think, like, a, a good comparison to this style of book that we both like is Inferno Squad. Yeah. Because it's in the same era. Like, close, I guess. Because Inferno Squad is actually a little bit before because the actual video game, indoor. the video game takes place during this time. Yeah. Um, but I think what we like about Inferno Squad is that there's more um, character relation, um, more um, emotion and stuff like like within within characterization than just like battles. Yeah, and like yeah. that isn't to say that the characters in this aren't great because they are. Like I I actually really love Yurika and I really love Chas and I kind of like. Will and Nash. I haven't really been able to get attached to them. I kind of skim their sections. Um, but I feel like it gets buried or like it comes secondary to yeah. the battles. And like Sometimes the plot. I, I find myself zoning out in a lot of the battles. And I yeah. feel like because of that, that I'm losing interest. Maybe I'm losing out on a bit of the characterization that yes. Reed is actually throwing into the battles. Because I like... I get so bored when I'm reading about, like, all these tactics and, like, the flying, which is what is affecting my enjoyment of the book, and I'm missing out on getting more information, I think. Yeah. Um, there's going to be lots of spoilers for this, um, especially because the main thing we're going to talk about is at the very end of the book. But um, the plot of this is mostly about the rebels trying to take back this planet that was under imperial mm-hmm. control and the like the book is about how they do that from a yeah. battle perspective whereas and how like, how they're gonna lure out shadow wing yeah exactly and like 50 there's like so many like pages dedicated like there's 50 <laughs> pages for one battle alone um which was just a lot and it was a long-winded way to say like everything went to shit basically <laughs> Um, cause like, you know, and I, I hate to keep comparing it to Inferno Squad, but it's like the best like example, um, with that, like they were rooting out this like rebel cell and it was more about how they were doing that, like with their relationships than it was about like battle tactics and like picking people off or planets, you know? Yeah, it was more about like how like it was affecting them to be undercover like, how they were actually, like, developing emotions towards these people that they, like, considered the enemy. Where, like, we're not getting that between Shadow Wing and Alphabet Squadron. Yeah, I I liked part two more than part one. Because I think that's where that mm-hmm. kind of comes in more. The first part of this book, I kind of think you could do without. I know a lot of people do like that, though. I, I know, like, a lot of people love this book. Um, but personally, I would have liked to see them open up with this battle, everything goes wrong, and they all get separated, and then, like, that's where you start. I felt like I waited so long for any story to get started. Yeah. Because to me, like, battles and tactics and, like, the push and pull and, like, the war games, to me, isn't really story. It's just, like history and facts you know like does that make Mm -hmm. sense yeah so overall thoughts um interesting characters but 
it's just very dense, I would say. Yeah. And it, it just, it, it keeps us from, like, wanting to, like, really dig in with it. Because, like, yeah. I, I would skim a lot. <laughs> I really do feel like I missed out on, on character stuff I would have liked because I was getting bored with the tactic stuff. Yeah, I I 100 mm-hmm. percent agree. There were there were even parts at the end where I would pick up on like a certain part, and I'd be like, "Wait a second, what's happening?" And I'd have to go back because it had gotten like buried in there somewhere. And that's that's entirely a preference thing. Like I yeah. I don't not it's not like book. Mm-hmm. I'm not criticizing the way he's writing tactics because like I do think that he does know what he's doing. It's just not for me. Yeah, like I think another. Um, thing that it's similar to is Aftermath. And I yeah. vastly prefer Alphabet Squadron to Aftermath. Mm-hmm. Like, I, those books are a struggle for me. I know some people like those too, but like, those are a hot mess. Whereas this, like, it is clear and it flows well. I just think it's mm-hmm. not for me. So speaking of Aftermath, where are we in the timeline, like, compared to Aftermath? We're technically before Aftermath, I believe. I thought that, I thought that um, we're closer to life debt in this So book. in the Delray timeline, it, okay. lifts it, it lifts it before Aftermath. I think it's just because it's keeping maybe the series together. Okay. Um, but I agree. Oh, okay. I, I think it's more like they're happening at the same time. Yeah. So, like, I actually think that so Alphabet Squadron was closer to the era that the first Aftermath was in. And then this one is actually close to life debt. Yeah. I, I think that they're more side by side and that yeah. the last book is going to be more side by side with, like, the last Aftermath book. Yeah. Like, we're going to see Jakku in the last one. Yeah, I, I think so. Which is exciting. Um, I really, I, I'd like to see that. Yeah, and I like seeing it from another perspective because I, I think Aftermath, there's so much happening and there's so many characters that I think they're harder to follow than Shadowfall. Because Shadowfall yeah. and, like, Alphabet Squadron, it's just about these five characters. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, there's a lot of battles and stuff going on, but, like, it's only about, like, these handful of characters and not... Yeah. Like, Aftermath, where it's got, you know, cameos upon cameos, and then new characters, and then other stuff happening. Like, there's there's a lot yeah. going on in those books. And then you also kind of have, you have those two teams, but then you have their leaders, and you see Hera, and you see Sloane. And I yeah. feel like this is, like, it, it kind of comes from a new dawn also, but... um you're kind of seeing this, like, build up of this, like, Hera versus Sloane thing that might, like, shine through in the next The Squadrons video game. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Hera in this book? I think that she, so, I think I've talked about this before, that I'm kind of sick of them just po- putting Hera into things. And I do think that Hera actually within reason was in this book and was a leader in this book. I just wish that they would do more than just putting her in this book, that she wouldn't get her own thing. Yeah, and uh, she is absent for a big part of this book, and that's because Mm -hmm. she's in the video game. And, like, this book, like, really goes out of its way to tell you that, like, that's where she is. Yeah. Um, Which is fine, but I I wish we could... I would I would really like this series better if it had like a bigger focus on Hera's perspective um or if yeah. we could get like a tie-in novel by somebody else. That's that's exactly <laughs> what I want cuz I I do think that she actually has a place in this series as a leader. Like I do like seeing that she's still with the rebellion, she's still fighting like all of this, but I like She's not necessarily she doesn't feel like a character in this book. No. She she feels like kind of like a just an insert. Like it yeah. could be anybody. It could be anyone. It could like, I mean, she's there to kind of like progress the plot. Um, she's there to progress the other characters around her. Um, so like I have no issue with her being in this book. I just wish that Hera was paid more um, content other places. Yeah. And I did have this thought uh, while I was 
reading one of her sections because actually like her and Yurika get pretty close. Yeah. Um, which I think was a little bit too much tell and not enough show. Um, mm-hmm. It reminded me of Last Stars when Thane talks to Mon Mothma. Oh, and yeah. yeah, it, yeah. It's so funny because like when I read that book, I wasn't like 100% on who Mon Mothma was. And yet like that scene means so much like for Thane's character. And it was cool to see her. Like you really feel like you get a sense of like who she yeah. is. And I, I feel like that's just not how we get to see Hera. Hera. You don't you don't get that feeling like you do with Mon Mothma, where even though she's just a character that is progressing Thane, like, you do get characterization out of her. You do get, like, some insight into her. Yeah. It, it just, it works a little bit better. I, she, <sighs> Hera has such, like, bloodline potential for this storyline. Yeah. And I, I hope that eventually we get to explore it. I don't know if that's going to mm-hmm. happen. Oh my but... gosh. Can you imagine a bloodline style book about Hera? Girl, that would have Jason in it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, we, just... I mean, both of us love bloodline. <laughs> yes. It's such an interesting story. And, and like, it's an interesting perspective to like go into this like woman's like POV and see how she's feeling and like she's a leader of this yeah. rebellion and like you know the new republic right now is so like new and like just barely hanging in there and they weren't ready to win like Hera says this in the first book like they were not ready to win this war and yet now they have to try and like hold everything together like you know she's going through it yeah I just I wish we could see it so, kind of on that note, how does the world see the New Republic at this time? Kind of like ragtag, no? Like, it's like they're not necessarily taken seriously yet. Yeah. I kind of got the impression that people don't see the New Republic and the Rebels as any different. Yeah. Um, somebody even mistakenly calls them the Rebels still. I feel like not until after Jakku is when that's, that changes a bit. Yeah. It is really fascinating because this book takes place on a planet that's still pretty much, like, more allied with the Empire. So, like, the Empire's gone, but there's, like, a ton of remnants still. And they're still more, like, Empire-leaning. So they don't really see the New Republic as the new governing system in the galaxy. Like, they're still just the rebels to them and they don't really want their help they want the empire's help there's even this amazing line later on we're introduced to like this cult that's on this planet it's kind of like a force cult the children of the empty sun and their leader talks about how um like the new republic like, is different from the Empire in, like, its words and what it says, but it's not any different from, like, what it's doing. Yeah. They still kind of just want power. There's a lot of, like, corrupt leadership still. Yeah. And that echoes what we see in Mandalorian, too. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because, like, <laughs> they they say, you know, like, oh, report me to the New Republic, and Mando's like, that's a joke. <laughs> Why would I do, like, that's not going to do anything. Yeah. This is, like, the the calm before the storm of, like, the whole galaxy turning into the, the Wild West that we see in The Mandalorian. Yeah, definitely. There's still, um, even in mm-hmm. Chas's part of the story, they talk about how, like, yeah, the New Republic is trying to come in and help, but, like, yeah. they can't get to everyone, and there's still places that are being forgotten. Yeah. There's, like, like, there's a loss of order completely, yes. and you, like, yes. you see people talk about that in The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. Which, again, like, this is why I would love to see, like, a bloodline Hera type of thing, because she would really be able to get into that. Because, again, like, they weren't ready to win. They weren't ready to form this government yet. So they're kind of doing everything really quickly. I think you get a little bit of that in the Aftermath books with Leia. Um, I just wish we could see a little bit more of that. So what is the point of this story? And, like, I don't mean that in, like, a bad way. Like, what's the point of this book? Like, I, I literally I think, mean, like, what, what is it trying to say to us? I think it's trying to say 
that I want to like tackle this from like Chas's point of view, maybe that you, the world is changing and that you as a person potentially need to change with it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is the main thing that our characters are grappling with, mm-hmm. for sure. I, I would say that there are four storylines. Um, you have the villain with Soren Keys. Yeah. Uh, you have Yurika. You have Chas. And then you have Will. Um, Will's story, like, he is baby and he's adorable, <laughs> but his story just doesn't super grab me. Yeah. Um, but, like, he's dealing with he's realizing that they're like fighting a war for no reason and he doesn't want to fight and he doesn't want to lead but like he has to yeah he has to and then there's chas who it's like the opposite where there's like this this war is dying down and she's she all she wants to do is give herself up for the the cause and that she's not gonna have an opportunity to do that because the war is gonna be over yeah, I, I really want to talk about this um, with Chas. So, like, I mentioned the Friends of the Force podcast. Um, once again, I highly recommend their episode. It's really good. Um, I I really disagree with them on this part, though, and it made me really angry. I'm sorry, Brad. <laughs> um, but there's a part right after, like, the battle at the midpoint. Everything goes to shit. Everybody gets separated. And Chas is floating out in space, like, in her broken B-wing. And she is just so, like, resigned to the fact that she's going to have a meaningless death and it's going to mean nothing. Like, her life meant nothing. And there's a part where she kind of reflects in herself because she really, she's a huge fan of Jyn Erso. Um, and she says that she was the antithesis of everything Jyn Erso was. Where Jin died, Chas lives. Where Jin brought life, Chas left the burning corpses of friends in her wake. So she she's really dealing with the fact that, like, everybody's dying around her and she feels like she's not doing enough. Like, the only possible thing she could do is die. And I... A lot of people are predicting that Chas is going to get her heroic sacrifice and she's going to die. But to me, that is not the point of her story. Yeah. Like, I think, like I said, the point of the story is that, like, everyone needs to learn to change with how fast the world is changing. And that, like, Chas should come, like, I, I guess she needs to kind of confront herself. Mm-hmm. I think people need to realize that the age of heroes is over. Yeah. And that, like, they don't need to die as martyrs anymore. Yeah. Uh, she she has, like, a dream that she's going to be living this, like, meaningless existence. Life. Yeah, like a boring life, basically. Yeah, and she would rather die. Mm-hmm. It's almost, it's like a, it's, it's almost like a force vision, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things that, um... Brad and Sarah were saying that it it since it's so recurring, like it's kind of like um like a prophecy or like a premonition, like that's mm-hmm. something that is going to happen. And to me, like that's not that's not the point of her story. Like the point the point is never to die. And I think Star Wars as a whole um hasn't really grasped that yet. Um there's been so much, like, meaningless death, whereas, like, Chas is so young, and, like, she fought in this war, and, like, yeah, it's everything she's ever known, like, what is she gonna do when it's over? Like, it's so much harder to live. Mm-hmm. Like, she still has so much life to live. Yeah, that's such a, like, like a poignant thing to say. There, It's so much harder to live. Yeah. I, I think, um, we'll get to Yurika, but... I think we also see that with our villain, um, Soren Keys. Mm-hmm. So I was really confused by his storyline the entire time. <laughs> um, like, so he he's the one who convinces Yurika to leave yeah. the Empire. Yes. And, then, and he leaves too. Yeah. And so I'm like, why are you back? And I kept, I could never remember. I'm like, why did he come back? Why is this the hill that he's going to die on? Because he even says, like... I want to save these people from fighting in a meaningless war. And I'm like, well, you're making them fight in a meaningless war. 
And it, it was really confusing to me, but I did some, like, searching around, just trying to, like, understand him better. And at the end of Alphabet Squadron, he he's, like, hounded that entire book. Like, he's, he's, you know, assumed another identity. He's just trying to have his own life. He's trying to move forward. But... Mm-hmm. Somebody always finds him, whether it's the Empire or the New Republic. Like, he he can't rest. So he s- feels that there is no place in the galaxy for people like him. So he vows to return to the Empire to at least, like, make it up to them. Like, he thinks his redemption is giving victory to Shadowwing. Like, yeah. that's what he's convinced himself of. He's He's kind of, like, put in this corner. Like... And I think all the characters in this book kind of feel like that. Like, Will feels like he's put in this corner where he has no choice but to lead. Um, like, Chas has, like, feels like like she's going to die a meaning- meaningless death and she can't avoid it. Yeah, it's... I, I think everybody is just really feeling, like, the weight of this war. And it's mm-hmm. brought up again and again. Like, at this point, this fight is meaningless. Like, it doesn't mean, like, if the Empire, like, the Empire is not coming back. And, like, Soren knows this. Not everybody does. Um, some people are worshipping the Palpatine messenger droid, casual blood sacrifice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, like, some, some people really do think that, like, the Empire is going to come back. Um, but it's pretty clear that it's not going to. Um, we'll mm-hmm. get into some aftermath stuff in a little bit. But it this fight just doesn't mean anything like what does victory mean and that's what they're all kind of facing yeah like the the empire is going to fall and palpatine was very aware of that because of all the contingency plans he set up but why are they hanging on (laughs) that's what we learned in the first one like operation sender like he did that to like when he died he set that off because he's like, all right, the war the war is over. And that was part of his plan because he knew that the rebels weren't ready. Like, the rebels were not ready to win. It was very mm-hmm. strategic of him to do this because now, instead of spending their time forming, like, a well-functioning government, they're still fighting the Empire. Like, they can't yeah. move on. They're fighting the Phantom Menace, though. They're still fighting the Phantom Menace. It's He has never gone away. And he's, he still hasn't gone away. Palpatine is, like, the smartest person in the galaxy up until the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, there's even a line in this book that says, yet there was no escaping the shadow of the Emperor. Like, he's always there. And he always knew what, like, ah, he had so many plans. And it all kind of fell apart. But at this point in time, like, he knew what he was doing. <laughs> So, do you want to... We're kind of talking about, like, the Emperor and moving forward. Do you want to talk more about the Messengers, or do you want to get into Eureka's story? I don't think there's too much to say about the Messengers. There is this scene that this guy basically cuts his hand and makes, like, a sacrifice to the me- the, the Messenger. And it's kind of, like, set up like a shrine, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but he... he like, the messengers haven't spoken since, like, the end of the war. Well, not the end of the war, but, like, after Endor. Yeah, all they they um, gave the order for Operation Cinder, and then they don't say anything else. And yet, everybody is still kind of waiting for him to say something. Um, and I did think it was interesting at the end, like, Keyes is kind of um, haunted by this Palpatine droid. He can't, it, like... He talks about, like, you know, metaphorically there's no escape from the Emperor, but, like, literally this droid, like, keeps coming back <laughs> even after the ship is destroyed. Like, somehow it was salvaged and it's, you know, still around him. And it's broken now and, like, keeps repeating the bit about Operation Cinder. Um, so it's interesting where it's, like, it is kind of like a metaphorical thing of this is just going to keep going on and on and on and, like, violence begets violence and it's just an endless yeah. wheel. Like, the, the the New Republic is still falling into their trap. Yeah. Yeah, they have not escaped 
at all. Like, they're still playing the Emperor's game. And <laughs> this book feels... This is like the darker middle chapter, but it feels so hopeless. It is very depressing. Um, I would say especially because of the rise of Skywalker, because to me, the way that that movie ended, it's just, and the wheel turns again. Um, yeah. And it's like, it's like, of course, like the sequel trilogy has to happen after all this because it's a mess, but then nothing gets solved. Yeah. No- so nothing was fixed. it just feels so meaningless in the end. Yeah. Which is why, like, I'm hoping, I really hope that this series ends on a hopeful note. Yeah. Because it needs to. It really needs to. Otherwise, I I think it's just so cynical. (laughs) Oh, I have a horrible feeling that it's not going to. Um, Or it's going to think that it did, but, like, it totally missed it. You know, like, The Rise of Skywalker. I think, here's the thing. I think it'll still be more hopeful than The Rise of Skywalker. But because we just haven't gotten any, like, just a real, like, happy ending to anything. Like, anything that is just bittersweet at all is gonna feel it's gonna yeah it'll feel yeah bad so like with that let's talk about Yurika's story um i think she's definitely the where this book shines oh a hundred percent my favorite scenes in this book were her and the and the droid the um the torture joy that was turned into uh, therapy droid and then by the end he's back to a torture droid yes I really like that in Alphabet Squadron too like the idea of like her like going through therapy and like yeah it yeah. was it was also like it used to be an imperial and like now it's this mm-hmm. other thing like that it's yeah. very interesting like where else has Star Wars ever talked about therapy before <laughs> never <laughs> has anybody gone to therapy in Star Wars that's why everybody is so messed up <laughs> Anakin needed to go to therapy <laughs> We learn a lot about her in the first book. We learn, you know, we already knew that she was like a former Imperial and blah, blah, blah. Um, But we learn that like she had a direct hand in Operation Cinder. She killed a lot of people. And the thing that she's struggling with is that she didn't leave the Empire on her own terms. Like she was told to leave. So Mm -hmm. she thinks that she was still too much of a coward to leave like her whole time with the empire she always like meant to leave but she just never did until somebody made her leave yeah it's like she didn't make that turn on her own like you see like ben solo does or like um or like ventress like those were their decisions it was on them where her it was I guess, like, she doesn't feel like she has the agency of it. Like, she she calls herself a coward. Like, she was too afraid to make that change for herself. Like, I think um, she knew that being with the Empire was killing her and that she was losing herself, but she was too afraid to leave. Um, she needed that push. I think she definitely needed that push. But then she internalizes it and she keeps it a secret and nobody knows so when it finally comes out, she's still not at the place where she's accepted it herself. So she fully expects people to turn on her and she lets them. She thinks she deserves it. Yeah. She just, she's like, I, de- I deserve this punishment, like, for what I did. Yeah. She, there's like a bit at the end where she's just like, what, what would I have expected? Like, I can't disappoint them anymore because Mm -hmm. I've already betrayed them. Like when her secret comes out, she does nothing. Like you can tell that Chas and Will are like waiting for her to say something, like defend herself, do anything. And she just doesn't do anything. Yeah. It's really intense. I feel like what she's going through. And then it, we get to see it played out in a meta way when they get stranded in this desert and she finds a Sith temple. That was wild. It was wild. <laughs> so uh, tell me about this. This is chapter 18. So what, what's, what's happening? So they find like a tower, basically. And it's really hard to follow. I found it hard to follow like what was going on, but I think that was kind of on purpose. Yeah. Like, because it was so mystical and, like, we were having, like, this really um, 
I guess, number-oriented book. And then we get this, like, crazy abstract kind of thing where she, like, to me, read like she was having these dreams and she was going in and out of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, her and Aiden and this torture droid, um, ITO, are stranded in this desert. They don't know where to go like the planetoid that they're on is like hurtling towards like a black hole or whatever and they come across the sith temple and they're like this has to be the way out and it's like i i read it as it was like forcing her to relive like her bad memories or like relive the things that she doesn't want to remember yeah so it's like all the things that like she didn't defend herself on like, because she's just kind of ignoring them. She had to confront them in this scene. Yeah, like, she doesn't ever stand up for herself. She lets people think what they want of her. And then she takes that and then adopts that as the way that she sees herself. Like, I, I don't think she thinks anything of herself except what other people tell her. Um, which is really depressing. And, like, I, I did, I got a lot of Ben Solo parallels from her. yeah. Um, I, I really felt like there was a level of understanding with that, which I wasn't expecting to mm-hmm. see from Alexandra Freed. Yeah, um, I think that, like, she, she lets other people dictate her, like, lets them decide who she is, yeah. what she has to do. Yeah, And for she sure. just lets that happen. She does. She, she just, it's the same thing with her not leaving. She just lets other people make decisions for her but then she still feels ashamed for it yeah it's almost like she's trying to like bottle up her feelings and like if other people are making decisions for her then she doesn't have to be emotionally attached to anything yes i i think so and i think that there is a level of security in that when you're with the empire because when you're in the empire you're not expected to make your own decisions you're just yeah. expected to blindly follow orders, which is a mm-hmm. lot easier than being held accountable for what you're doing. And I think that's the that's the journey that Will is on. Will is having to come to terms with being responsible for leading these people. And, like, he doesn't mm-hmm. want to do that either. Like, he wants to yeah. go home. He doesn't want people to be blindly following him. Yeah. Because sure. then, like, at that point, he has this responsibility on him of all these other lives. Yeah. Because they're just following his orders. Yeah. Everybody's just, like, taking all of this weight and just putting it on themselves. And, like, with uh, Eureka, I feel like she's still doing that, even though she's also trying to, like, push it away. And I think when she's, you know dealing with the Sith temple like it, it's just bubbling over like she can't yeah. contain it anymore she's like compartment like she's like kind of like taking everything putting it in a box locking it up like very like doctor sleep of her and then the <laughs> Sith temple is opening all her boxes which funny thing I, Alexander Freed also does that in the uh, Rogue One novel like, yeah. we talked about that with Jen um, in the hatch mm-hmm. in her mind. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really Man. cool, like, how that ties back in. Um, Alexander Freed does have a lot of cool ideas. He just, his writing is just very dense. <laughs> um, but as this is going on, um, because of, like, the crash of, like, them getting there, um, like, Aiden is super injured um, and the torture droid was um, broken and it's malfunctioning and it's losing all of its memories. So as she's dealing with this, they're trying to figure out, like, how to open this temple. Like, it's showing her these things for a reason. The ITO is, like, falling back into its old torture droid ways. And we find out that it's now just, it's not trying to find a way out. It's just torturing her. It's forgotten everybody that it's ever known and only knows that Yurika is a war criminal and is punishing her. Mm-hmm. And that plays like a big role in what she decides to do later because yeah, she thinks that like, you know, when you strip everything away and she's still only seen for the horrible things that she did, 
what's the point of trying anymore? Yeah, it's like it's like if everyone's telling me that I'm this horrible thing, like maybe I am. <laughs> what does that remind you of? Ben Solo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Because Ben Solo also went to the dark side because everybody was telling him that the, he was this horrible thing, so maybe he just resigned himself to it. It's, I think that really plays into the um, the Ben Solo comic, which I, I like seeing, so that's good. But she finally figures out how to get this thing open when she talks to Aiden, like, right before he dies. And he has a lot of shame that he carries with him, too. Like, he's also killed a lot of people. And he tells her that... The way he deals with it is that he moves forward because dwelling on shame doesn't help anyone. Yeah. And that's a big... I I feel like that is a big theme of Star Wars. Of everyone. Of everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you can't dwell on these things. You have to just keep going. Yeah, is doing the same thing. It's... You see what happens when you are stuck dealing with things that you don't have any control over anymore. Like, it makes Chas, you know, like, feel stagnant. It makes her feel like the only thing left for her is to die. It makes Will afraid to lead. It makes Yurika think that she is, like, worthless and not worthy of anything. Like, the only way you can keep living is if you just keep moving forward, which I think is a big um, thing with, like, mental illness and things, um, and, like, depression and anxiety. Like, you have to just keep moving. You can't dwell on it. You have to keep going. And I I don't think this book handles that super well. I found some things very triggering, especially Chas's chapters. Um, Like, I liked them, but they're they're very heavy. Um, But that turns out to be the key to opening this Sith temple, Like, it's showing her all this stuff, but instead of lying down and taking it, she keeps walking, and she's able to, like, get into this temple. Mm Mm-hmm. Why do you think that opened it? I think she... It's almost like she opened up herself. Yeah. And it's, like, it reminds me of The Last Jedi, like, in the the dark side cave, where Rey approaches herself. Mm-hmm. Like, you see the line of rays, and then at the other end, like, she says, like, at the other end, she found what she was looking for. Yeah. She even says that, like, she could have been, like, lost there forever. Like, yeah. if she just kept, like, follow, like, So, like, it really, on like, it. reminds me of this scene. Yeah. I, I really like that, um, it even kind of reminds me a little bit of Dark Disciple, and that, like, this dark side temple... Like, yeah, it's it's dark side, it's evil, it's whatever, but, like, its intent wasn't necessarily to torture her, because yeah. the way through was to overcome it. Mm-hmm. And you see that happen with, like, Voss. Like, he opens kind of, like, a hatch in his mind, and that's when he's able to go back to the light. Yeah. It's, it's really... It even kind of reminds me of Rebels a little bit. With, um, like, on Malachor. Yeah. It, it's really cool. I, I think that they're they're playing with this idea of what the dark side is. Like, it's not just the opposite of the light. Like, it, it's... There's more to it, I think. But from there, she finds a ship. She's finally able to leave. But then she makes her decision that she's not going back to the New Republic. She's no. going to rejoin the Empire. <laughs> What did he think when he read this? I had to reread it. <laughs> um, I, was I was like, what? <laughs> I like, was I, re- I re-listened to it, too. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, but honestly, like, I get it. And it's the same It's the same choice that um, Keys made. Mm-hmm. It's that she, she just resigned she can't herself. can't go back. Oh, man. It was, I really liked the way they ended this. Yeah, I I pulled up the so the page that this is on. It's like the very end. It's yeah. three seventy eight. Um, she talks about like everybody knows her secrets now. Um, she was incapable of disappointing them anymore. Um, she said she was thinking about her future now. Had been trying to envision it since she left the corpse of Karen Aiden. I move forward. The spy had said. Ito two had clarified her path. 
The droid had done so much for her, but when its memory had been stripped away, it had recognized her as just another war criminal deserving punishment. What more could she have expected? She'd been thinking about her future and what would become of her in the New Republic. When her tribunal came, who wouldn't see her as ITO had, as her squadron had? She wasn't ready for her existence to end. She's not ready for existence to end? Yeah. I, like, I almost feel like she's going to the Empire because she's punishing herself and she knows they're going to lose. I think so, too. I think she sees staying with the newer... Like, it's the same thing that Soren is doing. Because he was like, what does it matter? If they're only going to see me as this one thing, I might as well go back and be it. And be it. Yeah. And, like, if she thinks that if she stays with the New Republic... Like, nobody's going to care about her anymore. Like, everybody just sees her as this one thing. So she's probably going to die. And, like, she's not ready to die yet. But at the same time, I also think she's kind of going back to the Empire to die. die. Like, Chas. I think it's the same thing that Chas wants. Like, Chas wants to go out in a meaningful way. Like, not in a whisper where, like, nobody remembers you, but, like, in a big, meaningful way. I'm interested in what's going to happen next book. Yeah. Like, is she going to... Is she going to be in the Empire and give away um, New Republic secrets? Or is she going to destroy the Empire from the inside? Like, is she going to still continue to be self-destructive? Yeah. So that, like, she can die in the Empire and she can kill the Empire from within? Like, what is going through her, her head? That made me think of Sienna at the end of Lost Stars when she was yeah. going to go down with the ship. Like, she, you know, if she goes down with the ship, then at least, you know, she did her duty or whatever. Like, it's so much harder to live and try to be better, to try to have a new life. Like, it's so hard to do. And that's why my clown yeah. makeup's on, because if it doesn't matter how... Like, if you kill Eureka and Chas, it doesn't matter how you do it or what their deaths mean, because it's pointless. Like, But could could that mean that, like, we get a Lost Stars moment where Chas goes and saves her? I would love that. Because they kind of set up a little bit of that ship in this book. Yeah. I kind of ship it. I'm really into mm-hmm. it. Because Chas felt so betrayed finding all that out about Eureka. And I think the best, like, defining thing would be for them to save each other. And for them to, like, walk away from all of this. Yeah. And find a new life. Yeah. And, like, it can't just be, like, Chas telling Eureka to turn. Like, it has to be her allowing her to make the decision. To to, live. To live. Yeah. Yeah. That would be so important. Because every decision has been made for Eureka in this series, and she yeah. needs to make a decision for herself. Yeah. And that decision should be to live and to just keep going. Like, I, I really hope that that's the ending that we get. I don't know if I trust Alexander Freed to do it, though. Especially after, like, the Rise of Skywalker and, like, you know, we, we just read Dark Disciple and there's a death in that and all that. Like, I worry that Star Wars is focusing too much on these, like, martyr deaths. Yeah. Whereas, like, right now we should be seeing, like we said, you know, the Age of Heroes is over. It's time to adapt and change. There, we need to see atonement. <laughs> we need to see atonement. We need to see her keep going. Because the only person that we've seen do that is... Um, Callus. Yeah. And she, she needs this. I would even love to see her, um, you know how Keys is the one who told her to turn before? I would love to see her confront him and tell him to leave. That would be cool, too. I just, I, it makes me wonder, like, what these, like, meetings, these, like, meetings that Lucasfilm are like when they're talking about, like, where do we need these stories to go? Like, how are we influencing our readers like how are like what kind of messages do we want to put out like it just seems like so like hopeless yeah yeah because like i'm not gonna lie like when chas was like floating alone in space and just thinking about 
like her meaningless existence and how much she wanted to die. Like, if you have any kind of like, if you've ever had to deal with like suicidal thoughts or anything, like that's awful to hear. <laughs> like mm-hmm. she was just like thinking that she was better off dead and like all this kind of stuff. Like it's awful to hear. Mm-hmm. And like all I could think of was like, you know, Ben Solo, and he's yeah. probably thought that too. Um, yeah, and then he and died in the end anyway. We've had plenty of conversations about like how people relate to Ben Solo and how much his life would have meant, like him living would have meant to them personally about themselves. Yes, exactly. So like to see like potentially Chas or Yurika die in the next book would, I think, open a lot of wounds for a lot of people who enjoy those characters. Yeah, for sure. And see themselves in them. Well, and I think it's a big part of Star Wars that we do kind of relate to these morally gray characters or like we relate to these characters who have dealt with the dark side in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another reason why it makes me so mad when they were talking about how like um, Ahsoka's never dealt with that. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like we just haven't seen it. Um, but like we want to see these characters be better. And for so long, mm-hmm. like that was like the big tagline like in the rise yeah. to in the road to like episode nine like the choice to be better and that was in dark disciple too <laughs> i want to yeah. see them make that choice <sighs> like people need to remember that their actions are metaphors like, yes like killing someone in star wars when we're reading that that is not equal to, to like us. literally to killing someone <laughs> exactly it's, <laughs> it's just making mistakes it's it's fiction it's fantasy like it's not a one-to-one comparison well and it makes you feel something like to mm-hmm. even like bring it all the way back like the last of us um ellie is going on this like huge revenge story and the whole time you're playing as her even though you're you're like kind of rooting for her a little bit like you're also like super worried because like she's killing all these people and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse and like you feel it uh, whenever she like kills like a major person you're just like, ah, that hurt. Like, that was a big thing that you just did. Like, And it's not, like, saying, like, oh, yeah, you kill people in real life. Like, no, it's making you feel for, like, what it's doing to them on the inside. Like, how it's tearing them up on the inside, you know? And it's just, I really hope we get some good, like, hope and meaning coming from this story. Because yeah. we, we really need it. Definitely. I will say that I think this series is really interesting. And it I like I'm glad that like we read them and like we're reading them because there is a lot here. Um kind of like what, what we talked about though, I I don't know if I can recommend them because of how heavy they are. Yeah. I think it depends on the person. Because some people come out of this and, like, they love it and they're so happy. Like, I came out of this and I'm like, I feel, like, drained. I feel like garbage. I feel yeah. like garbage. <laughs> it's like, I need to read something, like, happy. Because some things rip me up and, like, I'm, I say thank you. <laughs> this ripped me up and I say, ow. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. It's like when Thea writes something, you say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, like, we love the angst. We love that pain. But it's got to mean something. <laughs> um, so, like, I'm excited to read the next book. I'm very worried. Um, I'm trying, like, I'm literally, like, going to go into that book knowing that, like, it's probably going to let me down. <laughs> so yeah. hopefully, if it doesn't, it'll feel really good. <laughs> and that'll come out next summer, I assume. I assume, too. Yeah. Who do you think's going to be on the cover? That was something that they talked about on, on Friends of the Forest. They were like, you know, we've had Erica, we've had Chas. So, like, where are we going now? I kind of think it might be uh, Soren. That Ooh. W- yeah. That would be interesting. I love the cover for Shadow. It's beautiful. It's so nice. Yeah. Even um, Alphabet Squadron, like, it's very orange, which I don't like, but... I like that these books are purple on the inside, <laughs> um, but they're very pretty. <laughs> I do like them. 
Do you have anything else you want to say about this book? I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered it. It's They're mm-hmm. not bad. They're actually very good. It's just very complicated. Dense. It's very yeah. dense. Yeah, there's a lot going on. I skim battle sections and cha- chapter 18 is like the best one. If you're not going to read this book, like look up chapter 18 because that's a good one to read. <laughs> Um, but next time, uh, we don't have a topic picked out yet, but hopefully we have something fun in store for you for our next episode. Um, but also be sending us your stories. We are really excited to hear from you guys. If you read Shadowfall, we would love to hear you talk about it. Maybe you have a different perspective than ours and we want to get that for you. Um, so you can always email us or you can send us a voicemail like we talked about before. The links for that will be in the description. If you want to keep this conversation going, you can always find us on Twitter at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.